Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's get this bad boy going. A Birds 365 get together with the Mac guys prior to. Big game on Sunday. Saints and Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. The question is, will John McMullen be in the house? You got some issues there, huh, buddy? Uh, not me particularly, but we'll see. You know, the COVID is uh, ramping up, it seems, nationwide. So there's some kind of positive somewhere. And if anybody's a close contact, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see. Ouch. We'll see what happens. And you did say before you left, Denver was, quote, unquote, a hot spot. I, I I wish I knew how to check that stuff. You you have to because you, you're actually going there and you got to stay on top of these things. But I don't know who where I would even check or who I would trust to check what is or isn't the hot spot. But I guess you go by the results, which means you got to jump through some more hoops this week, which is going to make your more your life more difficult. But you're a gamer, pal. You're yeah. a guy who straps it up, puts that chin strap on, and gets the job done. Yeah, typically. Typically, we'll see. You know, this there's week only you're so not, much. Wait a minute, I'm giving well, you credit here, and you, you you're taking yourself down. Well, there's there. so much time. You know, I'm one of those people that has the big Purell bottle in the car, and I, I, every time I go in or I go out, I do. I'm on the Howie Mandel plan. Are I just, you? Yeah, I just, I just hand sanitize, sanitize everything. Uh, see, so I far, would... it's worked. So we'll see if it continues to work. I would not even know that because uh, I see you here on YouTube, and that's about the extent of it. So, yeah. how Howie Mandelish you are, I would never know. But I'll take your word for it. I hope everything uh, turns out okay, and that uh, you don't have to jump through all that many hoops. All right, the coach did jump through some hoops yesterday. Uh, we found out that Miles Sanders was going to be activated, so that uh, the twenty day, twenty one day window was uh, opened up, and uh, he did work out with the team yesterday. You guys get a very limited amount of time to see them practicing. Uh, could you take anything out of what Miles Sanders did or didn't do on the field yesterday? Uh, no, they actually uh, scaled it back to a walkthrough, number one. So they were supposed to practice fully, and they scaled it back for, to a walkthrough. So it wasn't going to be a, a big uh, to-do either way, but it even – uh, was 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 as I said scaled back even more. So, but we we were allowed out there for about ten minutes. Typically, it's about a half hour on uh, Wednesday for a regular practice. But again, because it was a walkthrough, and by the time we left, um, Miles wasn't even out there. Uh, he did come out there, which if you uh, look at my Twitter account at JF McMullen. There's a little 10-second video clip of Miles hitting the field uh, that the Eagles provided us. So he was out there. Um, certainly sounded like before practice, Nick Sirianni certainly sounds like he's going to play. Um, and, you know, he was pretty pretty emphatic. When, when Miles is healthy, he's our starter, basically is what he said. Um, and he should be. 
I, I don't have a problem with that. But it is interesting because they've had so much success um, when he has, you know, been on injured reserve. And I think, you know, people make the leap to, okay, they're a better team without Miles Sanders. And for whatever reason, they have been this year for a very short sample size. But they make that immediate causal connection that they're better because he's not out there. Not necessarily because when you lose a player like that, you you reevaluate what you have. You do things in a different fashion. You understand you have to – you can't rely on the clutch of the talent of that particular player. And there's a whole bunch of sort of adjustments you make. And sometimes it's the other stuff that that helps out the scheming the the how you run the football the to make sure you go straight up the field you don't um call as many outside zone calls or things like that and 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 that is just as likely to has helped the eagles running game as the uh emergence of boston scott and jordan howard so the Eagles know who their best running back is. When Miles Sanders is healthy, he seems like he's completely healthy. He's going to be out there. He's going to be the number one running back. So to me, the only question is, okay, how is the committee approach from there? And we've had that discussion already, Jody. Um, some people think Kenny Gainwell should be benched. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a different. I think he offers a role that nobody else does. And we'll see how that shakes out. But, to me, Boston Scott is the odd man out. Some people think it should be Kenny Gainwell. It's interesting. Nobody thinks it could be Jordan Howard. It could even be Jordan Howard because we've talked, we go back to the um, the spring and the summer where Jordan admitted, hey, he thought his career was over. So it could even be that. But I do think Jordan Howard has earned his right to be a part of this offense. And you and I discussed it Monday, Tuesday, uh, already this week, Wednesday as well. Um, is there the possibility that they will activate all four running backs for the game? Uh, you said there have been a couple of guys, the 52nd guy, 53rd guy, that I haven't gotten out onto the field that aren't special team contributors that – uh, the only thing you're doing is uh, if you subtract from add to one area, extra running back, you got to subtract from some other area. And then if you have a, a tough game with injuries and the like, you could find yourself a little light in a specific position. But you still think there is a chance that all four running backs will be activated? Um, yeah. In fact, I would I would still lean towards that direction. I think all four are going to be up. I think all four are going to play. Um for that reason, I mean, it, game day is, you know, 47. Um, so you're down from 53 to begin with. But I, I think that fourth running back, and to me, it's going to be Boston Scott, as I said. He he would have to help on special teams. So if Jordan Howard is your fourth running back, actually Jordan plays on special teams as well. It, I, if Kenny Gainwell is your fourth running back, if Miles Sanders was your fourth running back, you're probably not going to activate them. Uh, because they're not going to help on special teams. Uh, those players can both help on special teams, so it's not that big of a deal because that's what the back end of your roster has to do. And no matter what the position is, they got to contribute somewhere on Michael Clay's units. Otherwise, it's not that big of a deal if you're not dressed. All right, Jay, I'm going to put you to test here right away, right off the bat uh, to start the show. I'm going to throw you some over-unders. 
on usage in Sunday's game. The four running, well, we won't even put uh, Kenny Gaywell in the mix. We'll just talk about uh, four individuals, three running backs, one quarterback. Miles Sanders may not even play yet. Has not been uh, formally announced that he is going to be active. The coach yesterday said if he's active and healthy, he will be our starter. But he did a damn good job of covering his backside by saying, now you understand there are different situations for different. Yeah. He gave himself leverage to get out of the decision. Miles Sanders could start and then get two carries and not find himself back in the game again. Uh, he did not paint himself into any kind of corner. So I give the coach credit for choosing his words carefully yesterday. I'm going to set the Miles Sanders carries for this week at five and a half. Wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Jody. I'm going to go over right off the bat. Okay. But, I mean, if you look early in the season, they weren't running them a ton. Um, New Orleans is the best run defense in the NFL. They give up 73 yards a game, I think 72.9 to be exact. Um, so we could be back in that, you know, perpetual – they can't run the football early. They go away from running the football. They fall down by two scores. And 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 I I under but point I'm trying to make is I understand why you're putting it so low, but I do think they have a different mentality now, and they're not going to give up on the run as quickly, which is why I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, I I, I do think he's going to be the starting running back. I do think he's healthy. I do think he's going to play. I do think he's going to be active, and I do think he's going to be a big part of the offense. So I'm going to go over. I was with you till every uh, each of the steps you took until the last one. I don't think he's going to be a big part of the offense. I think he's going to be part of the offense. That's why I set it at five and a half, and you do have to factor in the always the possibility of re-injury. He goes in, takes a shot, boom. Well, okay. yeah, I mean. He get yeah. his five and a half. He can get his uh, four in the first quarter, and then if he doesn't play quarters two, three, or four, guess well, what? Yeah. It's still an under. Winner. And that's that's you know that's that's the gambler in you. I I you know me. I always say I can't legislate injuries, so I can't worry about injury. When you're so setting, he's, when you're I'm going lines. in. I'm going into the assumption that he's going to play four quarters. If he doesn't, obviously you're going to be yeah you're going to be looking real good. Right, and and I'm not. Uh, you're the one who's making the pick here. I'm just setting the line, yeah. and I do have to take injuries into it. Uh, you can't take injuries on a a Scott or a Howard because they haven't been hurt. But Miles is coming back from an injury, so I think you do have to factor that in. All right, I'll set Jordan Howard. You just said some people suggesting he could be an odd man out. You think he's earned his job? He's done as well as he has, and uh, it shouldn't even be a consideration. Last week, he carried it 12 times. If Miles is going to get some, that number's got to come down some as well. So I'm going to set the Howard carries at nine and a half. You going under or over? I'm going under. I'm, I'm, it, it, if you're giving me any number near 10 for everybody else, I'm going under. Because I do think it's going to be, it's going to be Miles. It's going to be the, the RB1. Jordan Howard's going to be the complement, the between-the-tackles runner. Kenny Gainwell is going to be the third down, the hurry-up back. So he's kind of game-dependent. How does the game go? Are you up? Are you behind? And I think Boston Scott, as I said, is going to be the odd man out from a playing standpoint. 
at running back. Not the odd man out on the roster. Not the odd man out but getting cut. People take that the wrong way. The odd man out as far as the running back rotation. You know, early in the season, it was Miles and Kenny, and Boston was active and didn't get the ball at all. He's going to go back to that is, is, is what I, my assumption is. All right, then this is going to be an easy one for you. Last week, uh, he carried it 11 times, Boston Scott. I'm knocking it down to eight and a half, but it sounds to me like you're leaning on an under even at eight and a half. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going way under that because I don't okay. think he's going to be a part of the rotation. You think that's he's... the guy I think is the odd man out. Okay, basically out of it. All right, now the quarterback is a different animal. Because the uh, running back runs, the handoffs, the attempts are kind of put off in one side. And Jalen's going to run when Jalen's going to run. He, he, we're not questioning how often he's going to be in the lineup. He's going to be in there for every single snap. So I'm staying pretty steady with his numbers. Last week, he carried it 13 times. Took off and ran with it 13 times. Last year against the Saints in his first ever start, he ran with it 18 times. I'm going to set the over-under this week at 12 and a half. Are you going under or over runs by Jalen Hurts at 12 and a half? Um, uh, I'm going under. I'll, he'll probably be in the 10 range. Um, I think as he gets more comfortable and he keeps getting more comfortable, obviously, I, I think he's more willing to stay in the pocket. He's more willing uh, to survey the field. A lot of that's like with Gainwell, same type of thing is, you know, also um, how does the game unfold? Where are we? I think if they're throwing the ball a lot in the second half, it's going to amp up those numbers as funny as it sounds because he's going to drop. He's going to start running for his life. He's going to start run running the football. Um, so that's a tough one, but I'm going to I'm going to go under. OK, so you went under across the board except for Miles Sanders. Miles, you think I said a little low at five and a half, and you're under on the other three. Uh, and I used mostly last week, but uh, their seasonal totals as, as well. <laughs> you might not through. even play. <laughs> and then it, then it blows the whole thing up. But I think he's going to – my whole assumption is he's going to play. Um, Nick Sirianni kind of intimated he's going to play. Um, and if he plays, he's going to be – He's going to be the guy. And I will say this, and please tell me if you agree or disagree with it. Maybe I'm making too much of this. I don't believe I am, but um, there's some pressure on Nick Sirianni this week, as well as he handled it yesterday. And as I've already stated, I think he did a masterful job of uh, putting it in a certain perspective, but without tying himself down to a number or usage uh, and he, he wasn't uh, making stuff up. If the Eagles fall behind 14 nothing, then everything goes out the window. So you can lay your plans out as best you want before the game starts, but then they change with the scoreboard and with the clock and everything else. Um, if he doesn't push the buttons correctly on Sunday, he's probably going to be second-guessed the most that he has been in a month. Because things have been going well. They've won through their last three games. Uh, Philadelphia is a fan base that doesn't mind running the football. Uh, they like ground and pound and physicality and the like. So Sirianni's won a bunch of people over uh, as far as the fan base goes. 
And oh, by the way, I think the locker room is in lockstep right about now. I think they've been pretty good all year long. I think Sirianni's done a nice job of keeping this group together. This is the first time in a couple of since since they started as cold as they did for the overall season. And when you get off to a slow start as the birds did, everybody's kind of looking sideways. Um, do you think there's pressure? How much pressure do you think there is on Sirianni to disperse the carries and balance this offense uh, this week? How much pressure do you think is there? Um, I think it's the typical, I think the biggest pressure is he's 0-4 at home and he's got to get a home win by hook or by crook. He's under a lot of pressure from, I call it normal Philadelphia pressure and that, you know, it's, it's week by week. And Jalen Hurts is a star quarterback this week. If he, you know, what's the bed, he's going to be back. They're going to be back saying, oh, you can't move forward with Jalen Hurts. The head coach is, um, getting bouquets of flowers week if he you know what's the bed he's going to be getting bouquets of flowers thrown at him again um that's just you know the ekj ekg of the philadelphia fan base uh very high very low um but i i don't think i think balance as a whole obviously is very important to this fan base um you know Running is very important for this fan base. I don't think it matters who runs it um, unless they fail it, unless they fail. You know, if Miles Sanders shows up and starts like I think he's going to start and the first play is a outside zone and he loses four yards, they're going to lose their, they're going to lose their heads. They're going to lose their minds. Uh, but I think if the game goes a typical fashion and uh, they're they're effective, certainly, and there's balance, nobody's going to care who's running the ball. Right. But here, here's where I see it being a potential problem. What is a balance? What is success? They kind of set the bar pretty high on themselves with the way they've run the football for the last three weeks. 200 and some odd yards. Well, that's the week. biggest problem because – they haven't been playing the Saints. They haven't been playing a team that can stop they, the run. They played the Broncos last week, who I think came in as the number four number rush six. defense. Number six. Yeah, six. but but the Broncos were number six. But And even Vic Fangio said this after the game. They've been very inconsistent. What he meant by that is they run stopping the run. They were really good early when Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell were out there. And they haven't been as good when they're not out there. They didn't have their three starting linebackers. So they're not. So it looks good on paper. Whereas the Saints, it looks good on paper. And they still have the players that have made it look good on paper. So that's kind of the difference. John McMullen will differentiate that because he's an astute football follower. Uh, Pete sitting in section 220 screaming at the field in the first quarter when they've got six carries for 13 yards. He's going to go, what the hell happened? What are you doing, Sirianni? Get this offense going. They're not going to break it down as well as John McMullen just did. All right, Johnny Mac with Johnny Mac. All right, we got one of our faves coming up next. He is Mr. Positivity when it comes to the Eagles. Tongue firmly implanted in cheek. We we pimp him because we can. Uh, Martin was a little less optimistic at the start of the year than some of us, but maybe he's turned. You'll find out next. Martin Frank joins us here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that. Thursday edition of Macamac here on Bird 365. It's uh, John McMullen and Johnny McDonald with you and from his palatial state in, now I know you're right for Delaware, but you live in Pennsylvania, right, Martin? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Gotcha. I uh, didn't, didn't want to uh, inadvertently put you in the first state when you weren't actually down there. Uh, he sends it off electronically. It's column, all his inside info on the Philadelphia Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. He's good enough to hop aboard with us, Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal. All right, have you swung, Martin? I kind of gave you a hard time there uh, in your introduction because uh, there was a little uh, pessimism uh, when we had you on earlier in the year. Have you jumped on the Eagle bandwagon with both feet? Uh, I'm starting to, like, climb up onto the bandwagon. I mean, There we go. You know, they look, they look really good against the Broncos. You look at their schedule coming up. I mean, you know, after they get past the Saints, it's all, like, Giants, Jets, Washington. And then a possible meaningless finale against Dallas. I mean, meaningless for Dallas, obviously, because they're running away with the division. So, you know, there are a lot of potential wins, you know, still up ahead. Yeah, there are. And the Eagles have ridden this late NFC schedule to the playoffs before. We don't have to look back too far. Uh, They've been able to do that. So they're at least in a position to where you look at moving forward, you know, the Trevor Simeons of the world, Daniel Jones, whoever's going to be the Jets roll out. It could be Joe Flacco. That'd be great for Martin. 
that would be <laughs> phenomenal. Um, and I hope, I think it would be great for all of us uh, if Joe started that game. Um, and then again, Taylor Heineke, on and on and on. That's pretty nice respite after dealing with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and even the Derek Cars and the Justin Herberts. It yeah. doesn't get much easier. You got to feel good if you're Nick Sirianni. But you don't want to look ahead. You got to win this game. How do you yeah. win this game, Martin? This is the key. You got to win a game at home. Yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. Their last home victory was last December against these very New Orleans Saints. And that, I believe, was Jalen Hurts' first um, first NFL start. And right. the Saints were actually 10-2 and two at that point last year. They had you know, they were on a nine-game yeah. winning streak. And, uh, you know, the Eagles were pretty much in total chaos and turmoil. And Jalen Hurts comes in, and, and they beat the Saints 24-21. to 21. And, you know, everyone thought, wow, we really got something. And then, yeah, we've seen kind of an interesting offseason. And, and here they are again playing the same Saints, but they don't have, you know, their quarterback situation is kind of, Iffy, they're not the offensive juggernaut that they've been under Sean Payton and Drew Brees for so many years. It's kind of an interesting – it's an interesting game. Yeah. It's funny and, that you mentioned the way that Jalen Hurts played last year and a little bit of a surprise and people got excited and it leveled off. And now just heading into this week, it's peaking up again because Jalen Hurts has as yeah. good a week as he did last week against the Broncos. Isn't it amazing, uh, Martin, that if you have a legitimate running game, when you have a running game that the other defense has to respect and or borderline fear, it makes everything so much easier for the quarterback, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at what Jalen Hurts has done the last three games. Uh, he's, I think, his passer rating is second in the NFL over the last three games at like one hundred two something. Uh, he's completing two-thirds of his passes. And you look at the reason why. Well, he's only throwing 18 times a game. And then before that, he was throwing 35 times a game. His completion percentage was much lower. His his passer rating was, you know, pedestrian at best. So, you know, they've taken a lot of pressure off Jalen Hurts to make a play. I mean, obviously, throwing from the pocket is not his strength. He's not doing it as often. And he's, you know, he's using his running backs – you know, that's kind of opening up the defense because they have to, like, play closer to the line of scrimmage now. And, you know, you find guys like Devontae Smith um, and Dallas Goddard. I mean, that those two have been great for him. And, yeah, it makes a big difference, Jody. You're absolutely right. And, Martin, that running game is the big story this week for a lot of mm -hmm. reasons. One, it's effectiveness. The Eagles are up to third in, in the NFL as a whole as a running team, they're facing the number one ranked run defense. So it's strength versus strength. Um, if you take those three weeks, they're leading the NFL in rushing the Eagles. They've been over 200 twice. So that means game balls for the entire offensive line <laughs> on two occasions. Nick Sirianni, mm -hmm. if you hit 200, you get a game ball. But only you have to win, though. So, I mean, yeah, you have I mean, to win. Also, good they've point, Martin. The yeah, last two game that's right. That's right. Um, for a loss. Uh, dominant, though, and they were dominant without Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders looks like he's going to be back. Uh, Nick certainly intimated that yesterday. 
I don't think there's any question he's the most talented running back the Eagles have. I don't even think it's close. For whatever reason, they were better without him. And you can expound on the reasons, but I, I, you know, the old adage is if it's not broke, don't fix it. The Eagles look like they're about to fix it and it's not broke. Well, I would say about not fixing it. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Miles Sanders as the every down back like it was before he got hurt. I mean, you remember, like, before he got hurt, yeah, Austin Scott and Jordan Howard hadn't had a carry all season. Jordan Howard was on the practice squad, um, and Boston Scott's first carries, I believe, were after Miles left the game against the um, – against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So the only one, the only other person who really touched the ball was uh, Kenny Gainwell. And he's actually the one who's lost out like the last three weeks. I mean, I think he's only had two carries in each of the last two games. So, I mean, I don't, I, I get the feeling it's going to be much more of a rotation. I mean, you go back to uh, Miles Sanders rookie year in 2019, where like Jordan Howard was kind of the main back and, and Miles Sanders kind of rotated in and stuff. And Jordan Howard was off to a great start. Uh, if you remember that year when uh, he got hurt yeah. like midway through, Jordan Howard was the Eagles leading rusher. I mean, Miles Sanders was getting chances here and there and stuff, but you know, it was mostly Jordan Howard. So I'm, I'm not saying it's going back to that, but I think you're going to see, you know, quite a bit of like Miles Sanders and then Jordan Howard and maybe some Boston Scott sprinkled in there and everything like that. I, I mean, I do think Kenny Gainwell is going to be the odd man out for, for a while mm. anyway. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out, but I don't think we're going back to the day, like, you know, earlier this season where Miles Sanders is the every down back and you're getting Kenny Gain- Gainwell in there every now and then for, you know, like a third down passing situation. Right. So uh, I think you see the same as me and John. It isn't broke. It may not be broke. I don't think they're going to fix it. They may tinker with it. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how it tinkers out this weekend. All right. We're having great fun and debate on how the Eagles are going to handle their running game this week. Oh, by the way, in the passing game, Devontae Smith was great on Sunday. Devontae Smith Mm -hmm. is great, is going to be great. Dallas Goddard may or may not go. Did not practice yesterday. Is still in concussion protocol. Probably something we're not going to know about till Sunday. If Goddard can't go, somebody other than Devontae Smith has to catch the ball for the Eagles. Who the hell is that going to be, Martin Frank? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I have no idea. And and it, it is a problem. I mean, even before Dallas Goddard got hurt, like you only you only have two guys you can rely on um, to catch a ball, and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I mean, you know, Quez Watkins can get behind the defense and stuff, but is he going to catch the ball? I mean, you know, we haven't seen that much lately. I mean, he had the one, I believe he had like a 91-yard reception in week two, and I don't think he's had anything longer than like 26, 27 yards in the last five or six weeks. You know, Jalen Rager has, has kind of become like a gadget receiver. You know, they use him on jet sweeps and reverses and stuff like that, but they haven't really thrown the ball to him. And, you know, I don't know what's going on there, and it just seems like – uh he's kind of falling way off, you know, like he showed some promise as a rookie last year, but like, it's just not working out. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. He's got great speed and everything like that, but you know, he's just not, he's just not getting open and, and, and you can tell they don't really rely. I mean, they can't really rely on him. So I don't know. I mean, someone's got to catch the ball. 
<laughs> it can't be just Devontae Smith because obviously if you're the Saints, I mean, and, and Dallas Goddard isn't playing, you're, I'd put three guys on Devontae Smith and I'd say, here, throw it to J.J. Ortega-White, yes. uh, throw it to Greg Ward, you know, somebody else. Let's see somebody else beat you. Because, I mean, it's it's got to be – I mean, that would be like an easy way to defend the Eagles. Like you just put everyone at the line of scrimmage and you put your cornerbacks and nickel on on, um, on Devontae Smith and force somebody else to beat you. Because I, I don't know if the Eagles can do that, you know, at this point. Could that somebody be Martin – Especially with no Dallas uh, uh, Goddard, could that somebody be Tyree Jackson? Are we finally going to see Tyree Jackson get the football? Maybe. Might as well. I mean, tried everything (laughs) else, basically. I mean, why not? I mean, he's like the unknown, right? Yeah. In there, see what happens. Throw it out there. Jack stole two receptions for four yards. (laughs) Maybe we, we can't see that. Is this sustainable, though, long-term, the way the Eagles are playing right now? Um, obviously, you're not going to average 180 yards rushing a game uh, over 17 games. I mean, it's just not going to happen in this league. So um, the way they've been playing, do you think it's sustainable long-term? And by long-term, I mean the rest of the season. Can they make the playoffs playing in this particular fashion as the number seven seed, you're only talking about most likely nine wins, maybe even eight wins. Let's be honest. Um, I think it is sustainable just based on the teams they have left on their schedule. Um, You know, it's good enough to beat bad teams. Uh, We've seen that this year. I mean, they've pummeled the Lions. They've pummeled, you know, the Atlanta Falcons um, in the first game and, and, you know, Denver, you know, on Sunday, I mean, but if you get in the playoffs as a seven seed, you're playing the likes of like, you know, Arizona or Green Bay or the Rams. And no, that's not sustainable. You're not going to win a Super Bowl doing it that way. But you can. I mean, the Eagles can get to the playoffs by doing it. I mean, it's, you know, it just becomes easier for defenses to plan against. I mean, you know, the Giants, when they play them next uh, next week, will see the film and they'll say, hey, what if we like put nine guys up at the line of scrimmage and double team Devontae Smith? And, you know, I, I mean, I would think it'd be kind of easy for opponent for opponents to figure out how to stop it. So, yeah, long term, uh, not sustainable. I mean, you know, in the playoffs, it's not sustainable. But for the Eagles, based on their schedule, I think it is. I think it's possible they can they can kind of ride this type of offense and, and get in the postseason. And, you know, I think you know, all things considered, if they were to make the playoffs, that would be, you know, that would be something that that would be um, really interesting because I don't think anybody expected that with this new coaching staff and pretty much turning over a lot of the team and everything like that. So, you know, might as well see how far it takes you because what else are they going to do? Somebody's going to have to step up and catch the ball other than Devontae Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can guarantee you, the, the Saints are a very good, uh, well-coached football team. Uh, they can break down film and check the stats as much as anybody and analytically analyze. Oh, maybe we should stop Devonta Smith. Why don't we start by putting Marshawn Lattimore on him? One of the best cover corners in the National Football League. Yeah, yeah, I'm following around, absolutely. I sure. guarantee you that's the way it plays out on Sunday. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball, Martin. Defense. Yeah, Trevor Simeon is a career backup in this league. He had his run in Denver where he started for most of the year. 
wasn't good enough to keep the job, although he won more games than he lost. His numbers weren't phenomenal, but they weren't awful either. And he has played well the last couple of weeks in stepping in for Jameis Winston. You've got five touchdown passes and no interceptions. Last week, down by 11 points with 10 minutes to go against a very good uh, Titans defense. He marched him down the field, got a field goal, got the ball back, marched him down the field, stuck in the end zone. He just couldn't convert the two-point conversion. So if they came up two points short against the hottest team in the National Football League, I think the Eagles defense has to, actually has their work cut out for them. I think other than Dak Prescott, this is the best quarterback they're going to face during the uh, last seven weeks of the season. Is there a chance the Eagles underestimate Trevor Simeon coming into this game? Uh, I would, I would hope not. I mean, you know, <laughs> they've, you know, like you said, he doesn't make mistakes and, and, and those are typically like dangerous quarterbacks for the Eagles to play against. I mean, you know, you don't want a guy like, you know, he's not going to like turn the ball over. He's not going to like, you know, he's not going to do anything flashy, but you know, he's going to be effective. And and you've seen the Eagles, they've given up 80% completion percentages to five quarterbacks this year. And, you know, Trevor Simeon is definitely somebody who can complete the short passes, the underneath passes that the Eagles defense like to give up, you know, just so they don't get beat deep. I mean, throwing deep is not, Trevor Simeon's thing anyway so you know it kind of plays into the Eagles defense kind of plays into his hands because he's he's good enough to take advantage of what's available underneath and you know if they keep doing that it'll just march him down the field I mean you saw like you mentioned you saw that against Tennessee like at the end he just led them right down the field for two scores late in the game to tie well potentially tie the game they couldn't convert the two-point the two-point play. So, I mean, yeah, they got to be on their toes. I mean, it's not going to be an easy – it's not going to be an easy thing. I mean, it's just not this – you know, it's not the Saints that you're used to with Drew Brees and, you know, Michael Thomas <clears> and everything <throat> like that. I mean, they could be so many ways back then. But now, you know, it's more of a controlled passing game and everything like that. It's not going to be very flashy. By the way, I hope Jonathan Gannon was listening to Jody saying this is the best quarterback <laughs> going to face the rest of the way. That's going to make him feel uh, good. Uh, I said other than Dak Prescott. Yeah. Other, yeah. But oh, I'll take Dak Trevor Simeon over. Taylor Heineke yeah. and or Daniel yeah. Jones and that's or make, Joe well, Flacco slash Mike Wilson slash That's got to make Jonathan Gannon feel really good. That's all I'm saying. Now, Taysom Hill is still there. And you know, we talked about the last time the Eagles won at Lincoln Financial Field. Drew Brees wasn't the quarterback. Taysom Hill was the quarterback. And that might have been his best game ever as a starting quarterback. Certainly his most uh, uh, effective game from a statistical standpoint, although they weren't able to get over the hump. What's the Taysom Hill effect in this game, Martin? And, and does it help to have been practicing against Jalen Hurts? Does that help? defend against Taysom Hill when Sean Payton wants to throw him out there. Yeah, I, I definitely think it does. Um, you know, they, they see Taysom Hill every day in practice and Jalen Hurts, who's actually a better, you know, all around. Person, yeah. So, um, you know, it might've been more of a novelty in the past, but I think that's kind of worn off. I don't think there's going to be a big Taysom Hill, um, Taysom Hill, in fact, in, in, in this game, I think the Eagles would know how to play against it. I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really see it a big part of the, you know, the Saints offense as far as like 
them beating the Eagles. I don't think it's going to catch the Eagles off guard by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not, I'm not expecting like a big Taysom Hill effect in this game. Um, but you know, it is Sean Payton, so you never know. <laughs> the fact that I'm a little afraid of coming into this game on Sunday is the Alvin Kamara effect. He was out last week. He yeah. was limited in practice yesterday, but just the fact that he returned to practice means that he is headed toward availability for Sunday's game. It was a knee sprain, uh, excuse me, a knee contusion, not a sprain, and certainly not a tear. Um, so it looks like he's going to be good to go. He's the guy I think the Eagles are going to have the toughest time slowing yeah. down on Sunday. He is easily their biggest weapon. Does a Jonathan Gannon defense have what it takes to stop a player with the skill sets that Alvin Kamara has. <laughs> well, I, I think we've seen kind of all year that that's really not the case. But um, it, you know, it just depends on on how how effective they are in getting to Trevor Simeon and you know making it difficult for him to like find guys open. Um, you know, Kamara is great because he can run the ball and he can catch the ball. I mean, he's He's like the total complete back and everything like that. And those guys give the Eagles fits because, you know, his thing is getting open underneath the coverage and then, you know, making players miss, you know, linebackers miss and everything and getting big yards. So, yeah, Kamara is very dangerous. I mean, that's someone the Eagles definitely have to worry about. And if, assuming he's playing, which which it kind of looks like it's heading that direction, I mean, that could be a tough, tough task for the Eagles trying to slow him down, um, you know, We'll just see. I mean, it's, you know, they've kind of struggled against guys like that in the past. So I don't see why that wouldn't be the case with Kamara. I mean, he's really good, obviously. All right, Martin, let's talk about the real strength of the Saints. And this is weird to say because it's been so long. I mean, it's Sean Payton's team. It was Drew Brees' team for all those years. All we talked about is offense, offense, offense. Alvin Kamara, the running game, Michael Thomas, who's not there, the receivers all these years, all of a sudden they shift to this defensive juggernaut under Dennis Allen. They're one of the best defenses in football. We talked about the run defense, 73 yards a game. I think they're number 10 overall. Um, they got players at all three levels, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, David Anyamata, Demario Davis is the most physical linebacker in the NFL. I truly believe that. Um, our old friend Malcolm Jenkins on the back end. Marcus Williams is a great safety. Marshawn Lattimore, as Jody brought up, P.J. Williams, all over the place. They got players on defense. Is this the best defense the Eagles have faced? Hmm. Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, you know, you mentioned they're number one against the, the run. Um, you know, they can get thrown up. I think they're like 25th or 26th is in past yeah. defense and everything. It's funny how that works. You can't run, you throw. Yeah, you well, can't, maybe that's yeah. why they're yeah. so successful against the run because teams are throwing all the time against them. But, yeah, I mean. See, you yeah. know, I, sorry to interrupt. I think of it the other way. I think teams throw against it because they try and run against it. They can't do it. They oh, yeah. shoot, I guess we got to throw it that much more. It's one of those which came first. The, the yeah. Chicken and the, the egg. egg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then you kind of like. You know, if you're like, well, you know, they're always winning and stuff, so you have to throw to catch up. But, you know, they're obviously a 500 team, so that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you could look, yeah, you could look at it either way, I guess. But 
You know, I always find it kind of interesting because you look at teams that invest in the linebacker position, you know, like the Saints, obviously, and then you look at teams that don't, like the Eagles, for example, and uh, it's just interesting to see. I mean, you know, obviously they, they put a lot of resources into their linebackers. You mentioned Davis. You mentioned, um, I think they have Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander, you know, yeah. Now, and, and here the Eagles are throwing out like Davion Taylor and, and TJ Edwards, who have played well lately, but you know, before that it was, you know, Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson, a low, low cost free agent signing. Alex Singleton, you know, a guy out of Canada, you know, played in the CFL, and you know, TJ Edwards, undrafted free agent. You know, Davion Taylor was a third round pick, but he was like, you know, considered a project, you know. So it's like it's really interesting to see how like, you know, the saints are spending all this money at linebacker and the Eagles are like, you know, patching along as they go. And here you have the saints, you know, one of the toughest defenses in the NFL, you know, the number one run defense and, you know, the Eagles, meanwhile, they've, they've had five games where quarterbacks have thrown for at least 80%, you know, completion percentages and driven up and down the field and everything like that. It's, it's, I'm not saying one way is, uh, necessarily right or wrong i just find it interesting just how like one team you know invests in linebackers and the other team kind of patches it along as they go yeah and they also real quick before you jump in jody pete werner i think was a second round pick and he's uh at linebacker and he's um playing well so they're allocating assets in the draft as well yeah and the eagles did with davion taylor's a third round pick but Werner played at Ohio State. He played a lot. You know, he wasn't a raw developmental prospect. So it is interesting that certain teams, you know, don't mind having linebackers who can who can play. And it's interesting. They have some success when they do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, let me ask you about a guy who uh, was – Everything in, that you would want out of a player when he was here in Philadelphia. He was very good on the field. He was very good in the locker room, and he was a very popular player. That's Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Um, I, I want. I'm. I'm leaning toward him being a big player in this game before it ever starts and when it gets on the field because it is a quasi triumphant return to Philadelphia. But he already did that last year. The Saints did come in here, and the Eagles did beat him with Malcolm Jenkins returning to Philadelphia. He didn't have a bad game. Had a fumble recovery against Jalen Hurts, as a matter of fact. But the Eagles did win the game. Is Malcolm coming back to Philadelphia any extra added uh, influence on the Saints coming into this game? I think where you see Michael I'm Michael Malcolm Jenkins impact is, is in their run defense. I mean, he's not like, he's not playing deep and everything in safety. He's, he's one of those guys who are, you know, up towards the line of scrimmage, like stopping the run and everything. And, you know, he's perfect for that role, especially like now at his age, I think he's like 34 years old. Um, you know, the guy knows everything. I mean, he, he probably knows the Eagles defense. I mean, offenses as well as anybody, even with the new system and everything he knows all about, you know, Jalen Hurts and some of the other guys. I mean, even though he never played with Hurts, but, you know, he's smart enough to know that the Eagles are going to try to run the ball and he's going to be up near the line of scrimmage. And that's kind of like his strength now, especially, you know, as he gets older and everything like that. I mean, you know, he's going to have a big, I think he's going to have a big influence on this game uh, one way or the other for the Saints. I mean, if, if the Saints are able to stop the Eagles running attack, it's probably going to be because of Malcolm Jenkins, like, you know, and run support and everything like that. But, 
you know, at the same time, if the Eagles want to try to exploit them deep, I mean, they can do that because Malcolm Jenkins isn't that safety anymore. So we're going to see. But, I mean, you know, obviously you have to have someone to throw deep to, and, and the Eagles, other than Devontae Smith, um, really don't. So be interesting. Uh, last one for me, Martin, because you probably have to head down there soon. Uh, okay. If you checked your email, you know what's going on. But yeah. um, I will not make it, but I am cleared. But I just can't okay, make it good. down for the testing window. Because I probably uh, would be a close contact. If yeah, that, that would probably be. But I'm, I'm good. I just can't because I'm on the air. But, um, I, you know, I mentioned Davis is probably the most physical linebacker. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins might be the most physical safety. So it is uh, strength yeah. versus strength. Um, Eagles run game versus Saints run defense. Simple one. Can they get their first win at home against this Saints team? Will they get their first home win? I think they will. I, I, I'm not sure how. Um, it, might, <laughs> it might not be pretty, but, um, you know, I think actually they're going to try to, like, I think they're going to try to open it up a little bit, try to pass a little more. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to see them try and run and run the ball down the Saints' throats because obviously they're going to be ready for that. So you're going to need somebody to step up. I mean, maybe this is a Quez Watkins game where he gets behind the defense and, you know, Jalen Hurts hits him on a deep ball and he actually catches the ball, holds on to it, and, and that kind of like opens things up. And then once you get a lead, I mean, you can run the ball like once once that happens. So – you know, for the Eagles, the key would be to get get a score quickly, you know, get on top, you know, force Trev, Trevor Simeon to have to throw the ball. Um, because even if he's completing the ball underneath and everything like that, if, you know, the linebackers are playing well enough, they can kind of, you know, stop them from getting a whole lot of first downs and everything like that. So um, I, I think the Eagles can find a way to pull it out. I mean, you know, they, they have to win at home. I mean, they can't. You know, you can't go on. But I forever. keep saying they got to win one at home, but yeah, you know, they and, haven't and done you look it at yet. some of the teams like the teams they've lost to at home have all been really good. I mean, yeah. you know, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers have been in the Super Bowl last year, the 49ers were in it the year before that. You know, the Chargers are obviously a good team this year, um, maybe not Super Bowl caliber, but they're good. So, you know, I mean, and the Saints are possibly one of those decent teams too, but you know. This I, I think this has got to be the week where, where they finally get that home victory. All right, Martin Frank going with the optimistic. I guess I'll play the Martin Frank role in my hypothetical question to wrap this up. <laughs> um, the Eagles win the toss, and of course, the coach defers because he always does. Uh, so the Saints get the ball, and they go down the field. They score, maybe a touchdown, at least a field goal. Eagles get it back, two running plays and an incomplete pass. Uh, one, two, three, punt. What will be the reaction of the crowd at Lincoln Financial Field? Uh, I think it rhymes with who. Yeah. <laughs> I think if that were the case, they'd start. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't take very long. I mean, they'd be like, oh, no, not this again. And then, you know, especially then they punt the ball. The Saints get it again. Trevor Simeon goes like seven for eight down the down the field. And, you know, they score again after like a seven-minute drive, 15-play seven minute drive now it's the end of the first quarter and they're already down 10 nothing yeah i think oh the, fans the, would the be booze will be there. raining down if that is the case i mm -hmm. guarantee you it, it can definitely go that way i mean you know you're right 
they win the toss. And I mean, I think if they win the toss, they should take the ball. I mean, I think, uh, I say it. I say it every week, and they never do, Martin. It never yeah. happens that way. Well, you know, analytics, they haven't been winning the toss. In the face of analytics, Martin. How dare yeah. you think outside the box? <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to win the toss too, which actually That's they haven't true. done very much either. So, right. Martin, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Always do. Uh, hopefully, no uh, close contact for you, my friend. Uh, Johnny Mackelsey in the uh, lock in the. Uh, press box on Sunday. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Martin Fry Thanks, Martin. does a great job for the Delaware News Journal, covering him day in and day out. And he's going to beat John uh, Mack to the facilities. Are you even going in today? Um, I can't get down there by 1030. So um, I don't know. We'll see after. I'll try to contact the Eagles and see if they can extend it a little bit. The testing window is 10 to 1030. Actually, you know, I made it yesterday. Uh, I had uh, nothing to do yesterday afternoon, so I uh, decided to take a run down to the South Philly Turf Club, which is directly across from the link. As a matter of fact, I made it from my house uh, down there in 27 minutes, which is pretty good. There was no traffic on 295. So you can make it if you get as soon as the show's over. Boom. Johnny Mac out the door. I'm telling you, you'll be there by 1030. It's possible. Not happening. Everything. You're not even going to try. Come on, don't uh, lie to the people. We're on TV. You got to be honest when we're when No, we're on I'm, I'm, I'm going to try if they give me the go-ahead to try. If they say, you know, because I can make it down there by 1045. If they say, yeah, well, yeah, come on down. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll run on down. Mm, but, they, yeah, they, if it's a hard 1030, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not going to try. I got to get the dog out. I got to do all this. Which, by yeah. the way, nice morning this morning. Oh, yeah, it's like beautiful. Like 50 degrees. It's supposed this to be 70. Last couple last, of days, it was freezing getting the last, dog out. This morning was like a piece of cake. I didn't even have to put a sweater on. Yeah, this is the last nice day for a while, so people should enjoy it. I I'll think we're going to hit 70. I'll get out with the dog at 10 o'clock. You'll decide whether you're going to, <laughs> down to the link or not. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a timeout, come back, talk about uh, more about the upcoming game. I'll give Johnny some numbers about the opposition on the sideline. The head coach that's coming in here has had some success against this organization before, and uh, we haven't really zeroed in on uh, the guy who is going to be calling the shots for the Saints. Mr. Payton's not a bad coach. Uh, We'll come back, do that on Birds 365. Next hour, we're going to have a guest on that I've never talked to before. Um, I've heard him do interviews, and uh, he was good enough to – uh, agree to come on the show. Mike Haas, new play-by-play voice of the uh, Saints on the radio. He's going to jump aboard and give us a New Orleans perspective in our second hour. Right here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Countdown is on to the showdown between the Saints and the Eagles coming up on Sunday. As we continue to point out, sorry to say, uh, Eagles looking for their first home one this year. They're over four, uh, and they have lost of four good teams at home. It isn't like they uh, choked up a game against the team that they came in with a more talented roster. As a matter of fact, they've been an underdog for all four of the games. Shoot, they've been an underdog in nine of the ten games they've played so far this year. Only game they were favorite was on the road against the sad sack Lions. They're favorite um, this week, aren't they? Correct. This is their second yeah. favoritism of the year. Last I checked, it was holding tight at the Eagles as a point-and-a-half favorite. Opened as one, clicked up to a point-and-a-half, so the early money came in on the Eagles. Um, it was holding at a point and a half Eagles favoritism. So if you believe that the home field advantage accounts for three points on the wagering line and then uh, neutral field, the Saints would be a slightly uh, favorite team against the Eagles. Uh, here's uh, something that I think we need to uh, balance as well. Uh, you and I have both pointed out before when looking back at the results of the first 10 weeks of the season for the Eagles, they've done well when they seem to face a lesser light quarterback if they're in against a legit guy not so much uh week one i think they still beat a pretty damn good quarterback matt ryan not as consistent as he used to be 
um, but not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's won some nice games for the Falcons this year. Uh, San Francisco, say what you want about Jimmy G. He was good enough to come in here and beat him, of course. Dak got the better of him. Uh, Sam Darnold, not great. Now injured, still throws a lot of INTs. Tell me about it. I know it. I watched him do it with the Jets. Uh, they were able to get the better of him. Uh, that Brady guy got the better of him. The Carr guy got the better of him. Yeah, they could beat Jared Goff, but everybody beats Jared Goff. Uh, and uh, Justin Herbert did a good job against him before they faced off against Teddy Bridgewater. It makes sense to look at it through the prism of the opposing quarterback. How about the prism of the opposing coach? When they faced off against coaches with some success under their belts, the Eagles have struggled this year. Uh, rookie head coach against Atlanta, they got a way to win. San Francisco's head coach already been to a Super Bowl. Uh-uh. Dallas's head coach already been to a Super Bowl and won. Uh-uh. Uh, Kansas City's head coach, who is that guy again? Who's the Chiefs coach? <laughs> oh, that's right. Andy Reid. Yes. Pretty, we're a little familiar wow. with him. Already been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, they, they couldn't beat the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Um, you see the point I'm trying to tamp, of course, just yeah. won it last year with Bruce Arians. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whole bunch of coaches that have already won a Super Bowl. How the Eagles do it against them so far this year? That would be an offer. The guy who's coming to town has got a pelt on the wall this week, John McMullen. Uh, Sean Payton's got a Super Bowl victory under his belt. That does not bode well for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, experience matters in, in the coaching profession. You know, that thing went viral. I don't know if you saw it, but... Uh, Deion Sanders called uh, uh, Mike Zimmer during one of his during press, a press conference. Yes, yeah. I did see that. And you know, if you if you watch the whole thing at the very end, Deion uh, Coach Prime, as we like to, as he likes to be called, he likes to days, be called. Yes, yeah. Um, said, "I knew you weren't losing to that guy, rookie rookie head coach." He mentioned something about a rookie head coach and Brandon Staley, and you know, Mike Zimmer's not some of the coaches you mentioned, uh, he tends to find lose uh, ways to lose games, but he's been coaching for a while. Um, he's made the playoffs a bunch. Yeah, I mean, it matters. Experience matters in this league. But that's one of the positives of, of Nick Sirianni to me um, early in this uh, season. And, and obviously, we're getting late into his first season now. We're in the second half, but – he, he seems to be learning from those mistakes from week to week. He doesn't seem to be repeating a lot of mistakes from week to week. But you go through that, and this is one where 
there's a chance that Sean Payton's going to teach him something, to be honest. Um, who's who's seen it all, done it all, been there, had great teams, had, you know, fought through some mediocre teams and and you know he had that seven and nine i think stretch seven to nine seven to nine seven to nine where it looked like jeff fisher um lot to this job and you know once you've been through it once you've done all that um yeah you tend to have an advantage um when you have a sean payton type as your head coach versus a rookie head coach that's just part of it it's part of the growing pains and We've been talking about that since the offseason. What number show is this, Jody? We probably brought that up. A, uh, that would uh, be number one. Shoot. What are we up to? 159. 159. We probably talked about that at least 20 times. Uh, but I think it's all positive from the standpoint of Nick Sirianni keeps learning, keeps getting, keeps getting a little bit better. But, yeah, if you're going to be honest and say who's who's got the advantage from a coaching perspective this week, it's you're lying to yourself if you don't think it's the the New Orleans Saints. Let me uh, ask you about this because I just saw it in passing. It was either on a computer or on the NFL Network. I don't remember which. Apologize for that. Um, Zimmer being interrupted in the middle of a Zoom call with the media getting a call from uh, Deion Sanders or Coach Prime. Um, number one where did they cross paths does that go all the way back to dallas Dallas, yeah when dion was playing for oh the yeah they're really tight yeah good good for those two guys and number two did zim get old or what maybe it's those zoom calls are not flattering but well, I he is old well number i don't one. remember him looking as old as he did on this zoom call well he's, had he's a tough, beating him yeah. down it's like it's like the presidency man when you lose I mean, they've lost so many games, one-score games. They lost overtime games. They had a fumble in overtime. They missed a 37-yard kick, or they would have beat Arizona on the road. Um, Yeah, I mean, they've had a tough season. But, I mean, I think he's he's 65, so he is old, number one. But, yeah. He looked a that, little older than me to me than he usually does. And oh, by the way, Coach Sim, don't sweat it this week. You're going to get beat by at least two scores against the Packers, so it won't be something oh, yeah. that will cause well, you to look any older. And he was, um, you know, where he really started was Dallas, obviously, and he was the secondary coach. So before he became the coordinator, so he he and Dion are have been really really tight for years. I, I I'd completely forgotten that. That was actually very funny. Um, but I'm watching the video. I'm going, is that Zimmer really? When did he get that old that fast? He just <laughs> he looked old. I, I apologize for that, Coach, but I'm giving you my honest uh, evaluation. All right. Sean Payton has been the head coach of the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints 15 years or 15 seasons over 16 years. Because he had that one year, he was allowed to take the the yeah off. yeah he was allowed. That's yeah. that's a nice way. Of <laughs> He's allowed to take some downtime, yeah. as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, he has matched up against the Eagles ten times in those fifteen years. Guess as to Sean Payton's record in those ten matchups. Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, the Eagles have had. Some six, I'm going to say seven and three. 
John McMullen hits it right on the head. Seven and three, Sean Payton against Eagles in 10 matchups. Would you like to guess how many of those games are playoff games? Um, well, certainly one. We know the Alshon Jeffrey drop recently when I was here. Um, two with Chip Kelly. Um, two and oh with Chip Kelly. Uh, is there another one? Oh, yeah. His first season as the head coach of the uh, New Orleans Saints, the Saints beat the Eagles under Andy Reid back in 2006. So Sean Payton in the playoffs against the Eagles is three and oh, three and oh, yeah, seven, three of those seven wins have come in the postseason, which kind of adds to the gravitas of the number of wins that he's gotten. And he's an equal opportunity beater. He beat Andy Reid. He beat Chip Kelly. He beat Doug Peterson. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. This is his good, first chance a... against Nick Sirianni. He's kind of, kind of owned the Eagles' coaches in the matchups over the last fifteen seasons. And by the way, I think, I think, I have to look this up, but I think the Eagles were his first professional coaching job when he was the quarterbacks' coach here, way back. With way who? Back. Who was he working under? Uh, he would have been before Andy, so he would have been Ray Rhodes. He would have been... Correct, uh, Ray Rhodes. And who was the OC of that team? It's uh, a good question. Who was? I can't think offhand. Guy who, much like Mr. Payton, is uh, right now uh, not being forced to coach. Not being forced to coach. I'm uh, I'm Told he drawing can take a blank. some downtime. I'm drawing a blank. I dictated it? that he take some downtime. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> drawing a blank. Give he it was to a me. coach uh, on a team that the Eagles had played earlier this year, and uh, he was told his services were no longer needed right before the Eagles played him. <laughs> You're making me look bad. When you Joe, went to Vegas, gonna... think Vegas. Oh, John Gruden. John yeah, Gruden yeah. was the head coach of the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. You're making me then. look bad, man. Just give it to me. Hey, throw me that. a life raft. Come on. <laughs> I'm dying here. I'm sorry about yeah. that. The reason why I bring it up is, did anyone check Sean Payton's emails? If Gruden, nah, is, yeah. is, Gruden, if Gruden is sending well, out an inappropriate know, email to Bruce Allen, who's to say he didn't send him out to Coach Z as well? Yeah, by the way, you know, John Gruden obviously uh, – you know, it's going to sue the NFL. Yeah, he's going to get a nice little settlement because this, you know, the one thing about this league, they aren't putting anybody under deposition ever at any point. They'll gladly trade some money for that. Correct. And, oh, by the way, because you remember that. I know we're getting uh, aside, and if you're not Eagle fans, we'll go back to the Eagles in just a second. Um, when Gruden came up with the agreement to step aside as the Raider coach, it was really pretty fast. I was actually surprised it came together as quickly as I did, as it did. And I said here on Bird 365 and anywhere else where I broadcast, he didn't walk away. He negotiated. It was a pretty quick and, and fast negotiation, but he was going to get paid. The Raiders were going to give him a good chunk of his money. And I was a little surprised that they were able to come to that kind of agreement as quickly as they did. Oh, I guarantee you it was because there was a lawyer there telling him, listen, John, We'll cut a deal. We'll get some of our money. Oh, we'll sue for the rest. We'll, we'll cover your butt. What they're doing here is just flat out wrong. 
don't worry about the money. If yeah, this is too much and you don't want to fight the fight right now and you want to bring the organization down, or we can gently step aside and we'll still get you paid. Or I guarantee you that was the case. Yeah, well, you know, certainly he, he I would say it's certainly the case he got the money from the Raiders. Now he's looking for more money. He's looking for damages uh, from the NFL because um, a lot of people think uh, the NFL's behind the leaks and obviously they've denied it. Uh, and we'll see how it, how it shakes out. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, this league has proven it does not want to be deposed, as I mentioned. So I like John Gruden's chances to get even more money. I did look it up. John Gruden was out by the time Sean Payton got here. Was he? Okay. Uh, he, it was Bill Musgrave who was the offensive coordinator. Sean Payton was the quarterback's coach. Um, actually, they had co-offensive coordinators, if you can believe that. Bill Musgrave's title was offensive coordinator slash offensive assistant, and Dana Bible was oh, the offensive coordinator. I remember coordinator. the Dana Bible era. And quarterbacks coach Sean Payton, Juan Castillo was the offensive line coach by then. Uh, Ken Zampezi was here as an assistant. Emmett Thomas, the great Emmett Thomas, DC, who, by the yeah. way, is a huge. I mean, huge proponent of John Gannon was the defensive coordinator. Special teams coach Harbaugh was in place. It's a decent coaching staff that Ray Rhodes had. Some of them carried over, obviously. Okay, not too shabby. I didn't know that Gruden had already gone on the Dana Bible era. I, they, they didn't know that that name was going to pop up. Dana today, Bible. Glad that yeah. it did. Uh, let me ask you one more question on the, the, the Gruden NFL thing. Because there's only one fly in the ointment as far as I'm concerned. If I'm consulting Roger Goodell in the NFL, which they're not, I'm not expecting the call. I've got my cell phone on. I don't think Raj is calling me before the morning comes and goes. Here's the only thing that doesn't make sense to me. I think the NFL probably leaked the emails. Why would they? And people have espoused this theory of, they wanted to take the focus off the overall Washington investigation. Yeah, that, was already, that was already that was already done. There was it, no one was talking about no, it at the time. It, it had gone been, but to the back burner. You're right. It still should have been should have been front and center. Yeah. Daniel uh, Snyder should be under that much more scrutiny. But at the time, no one was talking about it. All it did was stir it back up again. Yeah. So did the NFL think it was more important to just? Uh, screw John Gruden and teach him a lesson and get him run out as the Raider coach to reopen up the scrutiny on the entire Washington investigation. I think Adele's smarter than that. I don't really understand that. You think it was a rogue person who just had an issue with Gruden and wanted to see him get run out of town? I think it was personal animosity between the commissioner and John Gruden. I I don't think he, he thought it out in that it would bring more uh a higher powered microscope so to be so to speak on the on the washington investigation but you know he said some things about the commissioner uh 
that you probably all read and you probably all saw. I think it was about that. I think it was about personal animosity. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm giving Goodell more credit than that or more credit than I should. Uh, he's a pretty smart guy and has done a very good job. Definitely a, a pretty smart guy, but, <clears throat> you know, when people attack you personally, sometimes you lose your focus, as they say. That's a good way to lose a... How many millions did he get paid last year? 35, 38? Uh, he actually took a pay cut during the pandemic. He had he had been up to 50 um, before the pandemic. Yeah, I think he, he took a, 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 a haircut. Took a haircut down, down yeah. to 30, only yeah. 38 million? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the case. That's the kind of job I'm going to protect. I'm not going to get let personal... Well, you should. And you a man should. on, let me do something stupid to put myself at risk. Uh, and that's exactly what he's well, doing Well, I don't here. think he's putting himself at risk for his job. I think he's putting um, him, 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 he's putting the league at risk. And if he puts the league at risk, and they, they get sued for hundreds of millions of dollars. You know well, that's going to get his bosses, a.k.a. the other owners, calling him on the phone going, Raj, what the hell? Yes and no. I mean, it, it it's not going to be a number that is in any way detrimental to this league or this business. And that's why I ultimately think they'll they'll settle very quickly. You're probably talking in the twenty, thirty million dollar range, something like that, which sounds like a lot of money for them is that's a rounding error. Uh so you know, it, it, as long as it doesn't hurt the bottom line and the owners look at it as a cost of doing business, I mean, there's a hundred things Roger Goodell should have lost his job for. But all they care about is the bottom line. All they care about is how, how this industry has grown with him as a commissioner, and that's why they like him. And I would say, you know, Roger Goodell's job description, if you put his – uh, resume or CV out there that the top line should be lightning rod because he takes all the criticism. Oh, That's yeah. why they love him. Nobody in this world, it seems not nobody, but you get the point realizes that the guys in charge, the Jerry Joneses of the world, the Robert Krafts, the Jeffrey Lorries of the world, they're in charge. Roger Goodell works for them. Oh, yeah. But nobody seems to realize that when the latest scandal, they blame Roger Goodell for this, they blame Roger Goodell for that, and the owners love that. They love it. They love it, and they love that he's the lightning rod that takes it away from them. And I think you've got an excellent read on it. I've been saying it for years. That's why I think he actually is a pretty good commissioner, because he does what he's supposed to do. This is self-inflicted. If he is the guy, if he made sure that those emails got out just because he had a man on for John Gruden, that's a mistake that Roger Goodell doesn't make. And maybe it's not Roger Goodell. Maybe it's just somebody else. And maybe it's somebody who's not high profile. But that's what happened. Somebody had a man on for John Gruden. That's what happened. I mean, I don't know who it was. Um, but that's what happened. I mean, you have all those emails... You have all those scurrilous accusations. This league has ob obfuscated everything from the from the start. They don't even have a written report. I still remember when we had Dan Lust on. Yes. He's like, what lawyer doesn't have a written report? I mean, it, it's absurd on the surface, 
they tried to bury that thing. They succeeded. So whoever leaked it is is an idiot, to be blunt. Um, and they were going after one particular guy. Right. And now if it gets the lawsuit and they got to open up all those emails with Daniel Snyder and cheerleaders. And uh, that ain't good, Jody. That's not good. They had tens of thousands of emails. And the only ones that get out are a couple of Gruden emails to Bruce Allen. Yes, that's a targeted attack at an individual, which just doesn't add up to me. And I actually think Gruden's got a chance, as you said, to uh, get himself a pretty good payday. Uh, from the NFL because they don't like to hop, have to hop on the stand and explain themselves. Uh, that is something that they uh, keep away from at all costs. All right, uh, we'll get a quickie timeout in here. We're scheduled to talk to Mike Haas. Um, Mike works for a Odyssey station, WWL, down in New Orleans. Uh, his first year doing the same games as the play-by-play guy with Duke, Duke, Deuce McAllister down in New Orleans. Um, I've heard him interviewed before. I've never had him on before, uh, but I was able to get his contact info and he was, uh, excited about coming on the show. Um, we're hoping he's good a little earlier in new Orleans than it is here, uh, up in, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, but he said he could hop on, uh, in our nine twenty spot. So we're hoping he's up next. We're still trying to reach him. Mike cost play by play guy. The saints jumps aboard on birds. Three sixty five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Birds 365 here up on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen, Joey McDonald there with you. Uh, we haven't heard back from Mike Hosh yet. Who, uh, did say he could hop on. Uh, we're hoping he does between now and the end of the show. Play-by-play voice of the uh, Saints. Uh, and we'll be in town to call the game on Sunday. Uh, John, we've uh, certainly hacked this around a couple times uh, this week and even previously before they went out to Denver last week. Right now, the Eagles are 0-4 at home. I've always thought of Lincoln Financial Field as a solid home field advantage uh, location. Not the vet, and I go back for, far enough to uh, uh, be able to judge and compare the vet to the link as far as a home field advantage goes. Uh, some people think that it is a massive part of winning and losing games. Others think you're a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, you got the crowd behind you, but the field side is the field size, and the best players are going to win the game anyway. How big a deal is this that the Eagles are 0-4 so far at home here, and uh, they're playing a team this week that the, at least Vegas thinks is beatable because they have the Eagles as a point-and-a-half favorite? Uh, I don't want to be the pessimist here, but if they don't win and go to 0-5 at home, how big a deal does this become? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. It's already a big deal. I kind of mentioned uh, earlier, uh, uh, Jody, that uh, even after they won in Denver, you know, Nick Sirianni in his postgame speech was putting that little uh, note in the people's, uh, in the players' heads and saying, yeah, we got to get one at home. (laughs) He was already talking about it after a emphatic win in Denver. So, he knows it's a big thing. He knows he's got to get um, uh, off off the snide, so to speak. And, and you know, it keeps getting worse. If you lose another one, we, we, we talked about it with Miles, you know, coming up. It's going to start early. It, it could be that early. If it's the first offensive play of the game, and as I said, if they call outside zone and they lose four yards, those fans are going to be all over them. And it's just, it keeps building and building and building. So the Eagles home field advantage is great when they're a winning team, when they're a good team during the Doug Peterson era, they were dominant at home uh, until the very end, obviously the last year uh, when things went off the rails, when they're a good team, it is a tremendous, tremendous home field environment. When they're a bad team, it hurts because the fans are tough and the fans are, are not going to let up on the home team. And right now they've been a bad team at home and 0 and 4. So, you know, I I've talked about it a couple of weeks. I said, maybe it's better. They're on the road this week and they were able to win some road games because there's not as much pressure on them. There's, there's more pressure on this team at home right now. And yeah, it's kind of working in a negative direction and the only way it stops is if they're able to figure out a way to get a win. And 
This is another opportunity. This, to me, shapes up as the most winnable game to date at home. I thought they were going to lose to San Francisco. I certainly thought they were going to lose to Kansas City and Tampa Bay. And I thought they were going to lose to the Chargers. So part of it is the schedule. And the schedule has been difficult. Now the 49ers haven't been as good as people expected. Um, but that was early in the season. Um, and they've gotten better. They're they're nearing 500. Um, and they're in the mix for that last playoff spot, like just about everybody but Detroit is. Uh, the Chargers are a good, not great team. Uh, but they have a really good young quarterback. So it has been a difficult schedule. And it lights it and lightens up, lightens up. And this is part, it's not quite, you know, the Saints are a good team. They have a good defense. We mentioned they have a good head coach. They certainly know how to win games. They certainly know how to win here. They've done it in the past. Um, so it's not like it's the Detroit Lions or, or even the Denver Broncos, the banged up Denver Broncos. But I will say this, Jody, you know, the Saints – maybe have the best pair of offensive tackles in football. We talked about the Broncos being down their offensive tackles. The Saints have Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramsick. That is good. Those those two guys, they're both out. They're both in practice this week. We could be having back-to-back weeks with teams that don't have their starting offensive tackles. We shall uh, see. We won't know that till Sunday. But then again, we won't know about Dallas Goddard till Sunday either. Now, by the uh, way, can I throw this at you with sure. Dallas Goddard? Um, did you think that was an illegal hit? The NFL came out with their video, their officiating video. Um, they said it was legal. I agree with them. I think it was a legal hit. I'm getting killed for it. I thought live there, I thought it was a forearm I thought it was illegal. Then when I got to see it on video, it was the shoulder, man. That yeah. was a legal, legal hit. I I agree with you. I agree with Nick Sirianni, who said the same thing. Afterwards, he was asked and said it was just kind of bad luck that Dallas got caught the way that he did. Yeah, I think Sirianni was right. I think you're right. And I agree with both you two guys. I do not believe it was an illegal hit. It shouldn't have been penalized on the field, and there should have been no fine involved. Now, don't get me started with the NFL and fines and taunting and whatever else. Um, you know I'm a big Peter King fan. As soon as Monday morning quarterback comes out, i got to catch it and read it because I think Peter is just that good at uh, breaking down the National Football League, which that column is so good. I don't know what Peter King makes, but that column is so good on Mondays whatever he gets paid, he earns. And basically, as far as I know, that's all he does. He he writes one column a week, but it is such a big column, all-encompassing column, and covers so much in one column, it is friggin' amazing. But uh, again, my sucking up to Peter King, I'll apologize for. Um, He, he again, maybe it's just because I see things the same way he does. He talked about the just absolute nightmare that has been taunting in the National Football League and refereeing this year. And he made a good point that I had thought of, shoot, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and had forgotten all about. We're seeing a lot of this year in the National Football League. They absolutely never call 
when a running back down by the goal line or going for a first down, whatever, runs into the middle of the pile and then gets his offensive lineman behind him to come up and just uh, push the it. pile yeah, forward. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. They never call. I guess did they take that out of the rules? Because at one point, yeah, it was my out. belief yeah. that you you're could not push the runner forward. Yeah, you're allowed to do it. You're allowed to do it. I don't like it. I, 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 you know, it was it was a college game. What, what was it? Yeah, um, uh, Vince Young. Uh, well, Matt Leiner uh, with uh, Reggie Matt Leiner. Bush. Matt, yeah, Matt Leiner. It was USC Notre Dame. It was, was a it great. Notre, it, was it Texas? Was it the championship game or was no? It, it was Notre Dame. Because Notre, Notre Dame was going to upset uh, USC. It was going to be a big deal, and I forget what they call it. Uh, the R- Reggie Bush pushed uh, Matt Liner in the end zone. It was a fourth down play. Notre Dame had stopped it. I mean, you know, the forward progress was done. And Reggie Bush just came up and and moved the pile and pushed yep. him in the end zone. Just terrible. It was terrible. And a lot of people don't like Notre Dame, so they don't care. But I think that was the crux of it. And I know it's college. It's not professional football. But, yeah, there used to be a day, and it might be Mike Allstott. I, you know, I always joke that Chris Berman made Mike Allstott with his, you know, rumbling, bumbling stuff. And he was, you boom, know. Boom, boom. And, it, you know, forward progress was stopped back in the day. They blow the whistle. That's it. Plays over. Now they let guys. And sometimes with quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts, obviously with the Eagles, sometimes it's a good thing because some of these quarterbacks can get out of, um, you know, or escape artists and do a lot of things uh, and and continue to play. But I'm with you, man. If, if forward progress is stopped, blow the whistle, plays over, the defense has done their job. Again, we go back to safety and everybody's safety, 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 safety. Oh, but don't do this. I I, I don't like it at all. And, and the push in the back, yeah. I mean, it's become part of offensive football line. Yeah. And, and forget about Reggie Bush. I mean, Reggie Bush was a running back. You got 300. You can imagine Jordan Mylotta getting behind somebody right. and just trying to push the pile. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't and like- I'll give you my line of logic behind the way that they're calling it these days. The, at least I understand it. I disagree with it, but I understand it. Because they now have instant replay. When you blow the whistle, that should stop the play. And you can't go back and undo that and go, oh, never mind. Yeah. Shouldn't have blown the whistle. No, when you blow the whistle, the play's over. That's it. There's no coming back from that. So they're hedging and leaning toward... Well, we won't blow the whistle. And if we don't blow the whistle and we can judge via re- replay that uh, forward progress is stopped, we could say, well, he didn't make it. We're right. We didn't. We got the call right. Or no, we overturn it and then get pushed it back before the first down. It, it, it's a form of logic that I get and I understand, but you still get it wrong. If you're going to just allow somebody to push a pile forward, that's not what football is all about. They're covering their backside yeah. to give themselves exactly, the ability yeah. to get it right via replay. Get it right during uh, real time, and you won't have to worry about replay. And this is another. I'm having a bad morning, probably because of all the COVID news. But the Bush push—that's what it's called, Bush push, uh, which yeah. is obvious. And it was, uh, yeah. Uh, now, uh, I Matt Liner. I'm just reading about it. He also had a fourth and nine completion uh, for for 61 yards. So 
you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Notre Dame didn't want to, didn't have to put themselves in that particular spot. They had the game one, but nonetheless, I mean, if you stop a play, you stop a play. And yeah, the Bush push is probably the most famous of them all. I do remember that. And they got that right. Um, or they should have gotten that. They got it right by changing the rule thereafter. NFL has not only not changed it, but it's becoming rampant in the league, which um, maybe that'll be the key to the game. Maybe Jordan Mailata will get behind Miles Sanders and push him for a key first down coming up on Sunday. We'll have to see. All right. Uh, this is a good game because, as I mentioned earlier, sorry to say, um, the Eagles have faced off against Sean Payton a lot during his 15 years as the head coach of the Eagles. This will be 11th matchup. As a matter of fact, uh, they've won seven out of the 10. So we've gotten used to seeing the Saints a lot, either down in the Dome in New Orleans or up here. I, I, I wanted to share this story with you, Johnny Mack. And um, were you covering the Eagles during the – you were still in Minnesota during the Chip Kelly era, right? Um, no, I was here, but I was doing more national stuff. So I would be here on occasion – um, you know, every once in a while, I would. Did you would cover think. the game where the Saints beat the Eagles in the playoffs? Nick Foles was Chip Kelly's starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I did cover that. You game. did cover that game. Yeah. That that game to this day still bothers me because I had to take calls afterwards. Shame on Nick Foles. Well, yes, Nick Foles left that field with the lead. Exactly, he left the field. He handed it over to the defense with a lead. With what? three and change to play yeah, yeah. By, up by one point and the the defense allowed drew Brees to march it down the field and get him in the field goal range they kick the game winning field goal and they lose and yet the next day nick Foles is not our quarterback he's not good enough this isn't gonna work rpo blah, blah, blah. I, he had the lead with two three minutes to go that was on yeah. the defense not on nick Foles. but again the quarterback takes all the grief all the time uh, so there's a long-standing uh, rivalry between these two teams. Yeah, true, Breeze. By the way, I got uh, from Jeff Duncan. I want to give him credit. He's a New Orleans guy. It's back at the Times Picayune. Uh, I think he worked for the Athletic for a while. He just tweeted out something. Um, if you're, you know, everybody's into the advanced stats, the analytics. The Saints led the league every season from 2017 to 2020 in catchable pass rate by the quarterback. It was obviously Drew Brees. Right. Um, they're now ranked 31 out of 32 in catchable really? passes. Well, that's Jameis. Yeah. Well, but that that's the difference between a great quarterback, and that's obviously a Hall of Fame quarterback. In, and and then you got to move on and it's you know yeah Jameis and uh trevor and Taysom hill as well throw him in the mix um life on the other side of those guys is not pretty at times it does get tricky all right i want to go back even before drew Brees, even before andy reed to maybe my favorite eagle saints matchup it was 1993 Eagles and Saints were playing on December 26th. And I remember the game because um, I had just signed a new contract to stay at WIP. There was a chance that I wasn't going to stay at WIP. And uh, they said, oh, by the way, uh, we'll agree on the contract. And 
you're doing the Eagle pregame show the day after Christmas. I'd never done Eagle pregame show before. Angelo was doing it at the time. But everybody wanted it off, and the Eagles were out of the race, so nobody wanted any part of doing it. And they said, we'll give you what you're asking for. We've come to an agreement. But, oh, by the way, you're doing the pregame show next. And I wanted no part of doing it. I didn't want to be. It was the day after Christmas. It was cold. I think with the wind chill, it was like 12 degrees or something like that. So uh, I agreed to do the Eagles pregame show, so I got to go down there and do it. And I don't remember anything about the pregame pregame show other than freezing. Um, a buddy of mine came by and said, you going in? I said, no, I got a press pass. Yeah, I guess I'll probably go in and watch it. I don't know if I'm going to stay for the whole game. But he goes, no, no, no. You're coming with me. I said, what are you talking about? I just scalped tickets for $4.50 a piece. He's <laughs> He said, I got two tickets for nine dollars. Uh, he got he got changed from his ten. Oh man. The Eagles yeah, that's a different time. That the is Eagles a... weren't good. It was <clears throat> freezing cold out. Nobody cared about the game. Buddy of mine walked up and yeah, that, that time you actually talked to somebody and you exchanged money. There was a, a, a physical exchange of money. It's not done online. It's not the secondary ticket market. The secondary ticket market is a guy with the hat pulled down over his head, illegally selling tickets out in front of the bed. And he said, we'll go inside. We'll drink some beers. We'll just have some fun. Come on and sit with me. I bought an extra ticket for you. He had another buddy. Uh, so he said, I paid $4.50 a piece for these. So I did. It was freezing. He I didn't make it, you pay the four fifty, did he? No, no, no. His his treat. He shelled out the four fifty. I think I bought the first round of beers, which was probably more expensive than he, he the cost of the ticket. As a matter of fact, uh, so we go, and it was it wasn't seven hundred level. I don't even think it was six hundred. It was one of those in between levels. That's a bad job. You got used the press box pass, man. At least yeah, that's you, what you I should have done. But I let my yeah. idiot friend talk me into it because I thought it would be more fun. I didn't realize how freaking cold it was going to be out there. Without we did the Eagles broadcast in a tent, and Who that was at the least quarterback. Who was the quarterback back then? Bobby. 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 Oh wow. Bobby, Bobby against Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh from oh, Miami. Wow. Uh, was the same starting quarterback. And oh, by the way, not that I saw the second one, Eric Allen had two pick sixes in that game. Not one, two pick sixes well, in that Steve game. Well, it was Steve Walsh. There you have it. Eric Allen getting in the Hall of Fame off the shoulders of Steve Walsh. If he eventually gets there, he'll give uh, Steve Walsh a thank you note. And, and they won the game. Uh, no, it was more so. Uh, and that was two in one game. If he gets in, it's going to be the interception he had against the Jets. And I should know this. It might have been Bubby. Bubby might have gone to the Jets, as a matter of fact. I don't remember. The greatest pick six in the history of the National Football League was Eric Allen against the New York Jets. It might have been 92, might have been the year after. I don't remember exactly what it was, but check it out on YouTube when you get off the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Well, I'm checking this out. You said 93, right? Yeah, 93. 93 right. was when the Saints-Eagles game was. That I yeah. know for a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 50,085 was the Lie. Opinion. A stone-cold lie. Not that many people. There, there is no chance, no shot. No, wait, that was one of the points I was going to make. Thank you for getting me there. Uh, maybe, maybe 10,000 people in the stadium. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, under over 10,000, I would say under. 
Wow. Because nobody cared. 50,000 was tickets sold. There yeah. was no way there were 50,000 people in there at any point. Opening kickoff, I guarantee you there was less than 10. By the time you got into early in the second half, I guarantee you that it was less than 10. Maybe at its height, midway through the well, second here, quarter. Here, here is, it was 27 degrees. The wind was 23 miles per hour. Wind chill was 12, Jody. 12 degrees. And yeah. that, that's a kickoff. And it, the, the sun went down fast. And that's when I got the hell out of there. As soon as the sun was no longer hitting, after about 10 minutes of the sun not hitting my face at the bet, I'd see you later, bye. The Eagles were winning. I said, listen, bud, I'm out of here. I'm getting in that car. I'm cranking the heat. No, thank you. We had nobody on either side of us. We weren't all the way up at the top. We surely weren't on the field level. We were somewhere middle of the park. And I think we paid about $4.50 to get in. For that day, but it, it, it's one of those now they they were making out to get 450 on that, right? Because the guy's thinking he's going to eat it whole. Yeah, I yeah. think there was a negotiation had he asked for 20, you know, my guy offered five. We had Brandon Cristal on the show uh last week, uh, Denver uh reporter, and I saw him in the press box when I was out there, and I thought it was interesting because the Broncos, I, I don't see this anymore. The Broncos said attendance was 70,000, whatever. And they put up 6,000, 2,002 no-shows. They put up the no-shows. Really? Nobody does that anymore. No, 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 no. You never do that. No, they did it. And I was like, I kind of like that. I kind of like that honesty. They're They're shaming these people who didn't show up for this particular game. And Brandon heard me say that. He was like, yeah, they always do that. I was like, wow, yeah, I don't see that anywhere else. I like the honesty. Yeah, so do I. I didn't know that they did that. Uh, BK's a good dude, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, real good dude. Real good dude. And we thank him for coming on, which uh, is better than Mike Haas did, who I thought I had booked for today's show. Again, I had never spoken to Mike Haas before. Uh, but I had heard him on CBS Sports Radio, and I knew that we had a contact with him. And it's an Odyssey station, um, so I knew that the contact was readily available. And I exchanged text with him, and he said he would hop on today at, uh, I said, 8.20 your time, which is 9.20 our time, because I know he's in the Central. And I text him, and I just haven't heard back from him. So uh, that's my bad. My The voice of the Saints, he's their Merrill Reese, too. That that was a good get, Um uh unfortunately but things happen i mean you know people get busy and what can you do it's part of it I'll hopefully reach out and find out uh, why and maybe just maybe uh we can push back to tomorrow but i don't know about that uh either all right uh, let's jump back into the eagles eagles saints 2021 not 1993 sorry i took a walk down memory lane with you but that <laughs> It's unique because how many other Eagle games, all the Eagle games I've gone to over the years, most of them in the press box, some of them as a fan. I'd never been in a stadium with only 6,000 other Eagle fans, and that's what it was that day, the day after Christmas. But they've been playing the Saints a lot uh, over the last 25, 30 years. They're not a divisional rival, but they always seem to fall on the schedule. And I think this is a tough matchup, John. Uh, I know the Saints got beat in their last game. Uh, but that's the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, and they're one of the toughest teams in the NFL. I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it without their star running back, but they are. They just keep beating everybody every week, 
and good teams too. The top teams in the NFL, it's not like they're going through the dregs of the NFC East that the Eagles will get to do over the next month and change. Uh, so to go in there and only lose by two points, I think, is actually a pretty good showing for them. Yeah, I'm considerably worried about this game coming up on. Yeah, uh, well, they're a good team. I agree with you. And it's important for so many reasons. We talked a lot about uh, Lincoln Financial Field getting a home win. But also, you start looking about at this seventh spot in the NFC, Jody. And like I said, everybody's in it. Everybody's in it. Uh, Eagles, uh, Washington football team, Giants. You go to the north, it's Minnesota, it's Chicago. Uh, the South, it's the Saints, it's the Falcons, it's the Panthers. Uh, the West, it's the 49ers. Um, all these teams are three, four wins, some five. They're all in that that mix. And and you think about, you start thinking about tiebreakers. Well, the Eagles beat the Falcons. The Eagles beat the Panthers. Right. If they could beat the Saints, they have the tiebreaker against all three of those teams that are in the mix for that last playoff spot. So this is a big game. This is a big, big game for a lot of reasons. And yeah, the saints are probably a better, uh, better football team overall, but you know, this is where you got to show some growth and, and, and you're playing at home, go out there and get that win. All right. I need to ask you about two Eagle players who both you and I, I think rightfully so have given a goodly amount of credit through the last couple of weeks because they played pretty damn well. That would be TJ Edwards and Epsi, who has stepped in and given them some pretty good play. The term winning football came from, Epsi. Epsi, Epsi's playing winning football. He's playing winning football. Uh, Those could be two key guys in controlling Alvin Kamara. And again, it was reported yesterday that Kamara was limited at practice for the Saints. But that's actually an improvement because he did not practice last week. He missed last week's game against Tennessee. The injury report said knee contusion, not a sprain, not a strain, just a knee contusion. And it seems like it's headed in the right direction for him to be able to play on Sunday, uh, much like with any injury. And I mentioned this when we were talking about how many carries is Miles Sanders going to get this week. There's always the chance for re-injury. And Alvin Kamara could bang up his knee on his first carry, and he's back on the sideline. But it's leaning toward, it's trending toward him playing this week. Your main tackling linebacker and the guy that you're kind of leaning on as a strong safety are the guys you need to shut down a really good speed back who also has pass-catching abilities. Are T.J. Edwards and Epsi up to the task of slowing yeah. down Alvin Kamara? I don't I, – I think the hope is, you know, when I mentioned earlier, Teron Armstead did not practice, has a knee and a shoulder he's dealing with. Ryan Ramsick didn't practice uh, with a knee injury. I think maybe that helps you out more with Alvin Kamara if he does play, if those guys aren't in there. Uh, but you're right, the, the knee injury will 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 help as well. Um, you know, he's banged up. It's, you know, that part of the season in the NFL. Uh, you you want to go down memory lane? Remember when the Saints just blew out um, 
Uh, the Eagles, it was the Cravon LeBlanc game, I like to call it, when they had no defensive backs. They picked Cravon up on waivers. He was starting like three days later. Uh, that was the play. You remember Sean Payton and Malcolm Jenkins had a good relationship. And, you know, Sean Payton has always said, the one guy I regret letting out of my building was, was Malcolm Jenkins back in the day when he signed with the Eagles, and obviously right. he's back. That game, he was piling it on, Sean Payton. And he matched up Alvin Kamara with Malcolm Jenkins because nobody knows Malcolm Jenkins better. Malcolm does a lot of things well. We talked about it earlier oh. with Martin Frank. Coverage not the covering Alvin Kamara. No, 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 and no. He gave him, not he gave him the he gave him the Jody Mack. You remember that? He gave him he went, but he wasn't being he went right up and gave him the finger for for doing that and making him look so bad. And obviously they have a great relationship again. But Kamara's one of those guys. He is just nobody could match up with him. Um, so, you know, you got to do go about things a different way, you know, and maybe this is where Jonathan Gannon, people don't like it typically, but this is actually a good way to approach Alvin Kamara because he's not good. You can't cover Alvin Kamara with a linebacker, with a safety. Um, so if he's open, he's going to catch the ball and you got to tackle him. You got to, you got to rally to it. And that's how you got to handle Alvin Kamara. I think the biggest Impact for the Eagles when it comes to stopping him are are Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramsey. If they're not there, I think it becomes much easier. We we will not know that probably till Sunday. All right, final timeout for us. We'll come back. We'll officially put a bow on the show. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You got the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, here with Youngberg Street 65, wrapping up a uh, Thursday edition, and we will be back with a football Friday tomorrow, where we will officially get on the record on who we think is going to win the Sunday matchup between the Saints and the Eagles, in case you haven't been watching the last couple of days. I'm sorry to say I'm leaning in the opposing team's uh, direction as of right now. But before I even go there, and I'm not going on the record yet, I will tomorrow. Maybe I can win some hearts and minds here in the last segment of today's show. Uh, I'll do so by putting my partner to the test. And hopefully he and I see this the same. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of games to make picks on, not the Eagles, this weekend, John. The Washington football team against the probably Cam Newton-led Carolina Panthers in Carolina on Sunday. Who you got winning that one? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, there was some good uh, goodwill, obviously, for Cam coming back, getting in that game last week, and now he's going to start. Right, and I now he's on I'm... the road. Now yeah. he's on the road. Now he's coming home to his adoring fans in Carolina. Yeah, I don't like that situation. You know, the first week he got that that buoyance, and then it comes down the second week. I think that's going to happen. I think Washington's going to go in there, and we're going to have a Taylor, Panthers. And I know Taylor Haneke winning streak. How about the, that? The Eagles actually have to get by Carolina, and they're actually already ahead of yeah. the Washington football team. That's so why I said Knight, this he, game – this game means so much because of tiebreakers. Yeah, they already have right. the tiebreaker. It might Carolina. actually be more advantageous to see the Washington football team win. No, Carolina's winning one divisional opponent down. All right. New York Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, Tampa what are you Bay's going to gonna, they're gonna be pissed off after playing poorly last week. They're going to they're going to boat race the Giants. So you're going to have one and one. Washington going to win. Giants going to lose. Oh, and oh, two. Four. Giants go down. The Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Dallas Cowboys in the national late afternoon game. After the Eagles are over and done with, you get to watch the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Who do you like in that one, McMullen? I hesitate to say the Chiefs are back, but they're close to being back. I still hate their defense i don't like it a little bit but their defense has been much improved i know but i don't i don't like it uh patrick mahomes though started looking like patrick mahomes last week some amazing throws i'm going chiefs all the way there uh, a couple of things about that uh particular game number one i am very annoyed at myself patrick mahomes prior to last week's four touchdowns he threw four or five last week 
Um, I forget which one. I know he threw 400 yards. Might have been five touchdowns and 400 yards last week. You could have gotten him for MVP of the National Football League at 40 or 45 to 1. He had had such struggles and Chiefs weren't winning that his MVP chances almost evaporated. And then he goes for 400 yards and five touchdowns. So I believe Mahomes is back. I believe the Chiefs are back. I believe they're going back to the Super Bowl again. And I believe he's going to win the MVP of the of the AFC, uh, of the NFL. I, I made a wager yesterday at 20 to 1. I could have gotten 40, but that was, again, before he did what he did last week. So the number came down precipitously, but I still think he's a steal and a bargain at 40 yeah. to 1. At 20 nobody, to 1 to win the MVP. Nobody... Nobody has kind of seized the lead. Usually you have a clear leader. Right. Who's leading now? Odds wise. Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Josh yeah. Allen. And and like at five to two, yeah. which is no bargain. Yeah. If you're getting not... four or five to one, I'd say, okay, yeah, there's a couple of different guys. Aaron Rodgers is 10 or 11. Dak is in that area. 10 Kyler or 11. Murray's kind of falling off. Uh, Stafford went in the tank. Top, he was Stafford, the leader. Yeah, he, was he was the, the, leader. the, the he favorite. Was the He's had a couple of bad games in a row. Yeah. So I, I kind of put some money on Mahomes at 20 to 1 yesterday. And oh, by the way, I think the Chiefs are going to win by two scores against Dallas. So what about Giants, Tom Brady? Brady, same thing. He's in that same area with uh, uh, Rodgers, 10, 11 to 1. There's a bunch of them grouped together at 10 or 11 to 1. But Josh Allen is the standout favorite right now, which. He should be the favorite, but not as as lowly uh, low a number as he is. And I think Mahomes is a steal at twenty to one. If I was a little bit more forethought into it, I could have had him at forty to one the week before. Shame on me. Um, but I'm taking the Giants to go down, the Washington Football Team to go down, and the Cowboys to go down. Well, Everybody in the division go. loses this week. So is it going to be zero four though? Yeah, that's what you're going to have to tune in tomorrow for. That's why you got to be part of Football Friday. Are we getting game day crats on tomorrow? Uh, I will. I will effort. I will. I will do my best. I was going to do that at the Novacare complex. Yeah, you may not be doing that. You'll have to do it via text or phone. I will attempt to reach out to Mike Haas, the play-by-play voice of these Saints. I don't know if he can do it Friday. I, I offered him Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he chose Thursday. To come on with us, and then he ghosted us. So we'll 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 give him not, one more shot. Not you the first and, time, won't be the last. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you try and get game day crats for us. Uh, right, so you're 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 holding steady. You're not running out the door. Um, I might be. I'm gonna okay. text some people. All right, then after. let me let you go, John McMullen. As long as you promise to be back here 22 hours from now. I will be now. here. I will be here. We'll see you tomorrow. Football Friday on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.